All right. Thank you to the Chaos Theory crew. It's only an hour, Jeff and Jordan. Uh, Jordan, I want to keep talking some NFL because one guy that I mentioned, you talk about quarterbacks having to make that transition. You know, the guys that get by on athleticism and pure gifts, that doesn't last long. I mean, Vince Young couldn't do it at that level, just get by on pure athleticism. And VY, I know that's going to bring up the Jeff Fisher responses in the chat. I get that. But VY is even taking responsibility that he didn't study as hard as he should have. He should have put more into it. That's always been my question with Kyler. Like, once the athleticism is no longer elite, do you have the ability to sit back there and deliver the football at a high level? And can you be a functional quarterback? It's like I've talked about it. I I told you my my affinity for Des Bryant. That's the difference between Des Bryant and Randy Moss. When you're not, when your athleticism doesn't by itself win you reps, what do you do? We saw Randy Moss make the adjustment in New England. Now, Randy Moss was still fast. He wasn't quite the athlete he was when he was in Minnesota early in his career, but he had his best years as a Patriot. He has most productive years as a Patriot when he was later on in his career. Des Bryant, once the athleticism went away, there was nothing to fall back on. And we saw Des Bryant decline very quickly. So that's what I worry about with Caleb Williams. Like that, again, just that play style. I worry about it having a really long shelf life in the NFL. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm in the middle of uh, trying to <laughs> get quotes over text. Um, anything good? Anything good brewing this morning? Yeah, uh, I was going to wait till we talk a little bit, bit about the NFL first, but we can come back to it. Um, but uh, John Mills, who's a 2025 offensive lineman from uh, San Francisco, he goes to uh, it's like St. Ignatius or whatever, college prep. St. Ignatius, yeah. Ignatius, yeah. I don't, I've never had to say the word out loud, so that's why <laughs> I butchered it. Um, but he uh, – uh, sorry, now I'm texting Hank. Um. But he's a uh, he's gonna come in on an official in June. It'll be June fourteenth through sixteenth. Um, I don't know why he wanted to go ahead and schedule it. That was actually the first question I asked him, and he said just because the winning tradition and culture, basically at Texas, made him just want to go ahead and knock it out uh, already. So you know, after we get off air, I'll write up that story. But mm-hmm. uh, first official visit scheduled. It seems like um, definitely won't be the last. And you know, Mills. We don't write a ton about him just because he hasn't been able to visit a ton. He obviously lives out in San Francisco, but uh, he's made it down, I believe, twice or at least twice. I know that. Um, and Kyle Flood, I mean, he's been one of Kyle Flood's bigger targets. So, you know, it's uh, kind of tells you where it could be trending if, you know, we're in February and he's already scheduling the other officials. Yeah. Um, haven't got to the point in, in a, I guess, over text interview where I'm going to ask him about other officials, but. Um, the vibe right now is, you know, I don't think there's any other one scheduled. Um, but yeah, so first, uh, first official visit scheduled for the summer. Um, and I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you look at, just look at uh, John Mills' offer list. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Kyle, we know Kyle Flood likes big people. John Mills, 6'6, 330. So he'll, he'll have trouble fitting in the doorway of Moncrief. But the one offer, Jordan, that stands out to me, looking at his offer sheet, when I see the Michigan's already offered and Sharon Moore is the primary recruiter, that I'm signing off. I don't care where a kid is ranked. I'm signing off on an O-line offer and you pursuing an O-lineman. If if Sharon Moore and Sam Pittman at Arkansas, even though Pittman's not the primary, but you got a head coach as a former offensive line coach, 
Penn State's offered. They do a really good job evaluating offensive linemen. So does Josh Henson at USC. They've offered. So I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with with yeah. this this the pursuing John Mills. Yeah, Jeff. Um, what you said about looking at the other offers still important, but you know, in today's day and age, it's getting less important um, of who's True. offered. We'll just because, that. yeah, yeah, just because nowadays, you know, we're getting into the point where it's, you know, there's a seven on seven team with two. I don't know. Let's use Oklahoma as an example. There's a seven on seven team with two kids that Oklahoma really wants and will take, and they're recruiting the shit out of. Mm-hmm. To get them on campus, the only way they can is if these kids come up there with a seven-on-seven program. And the only way the seven-on-seven coach is telling Oklahoma that it'll bring those kids is if they show love and offer the other kids in the program. So three other kids in the program get offered on the visit. And then you go look at their 24-7 sports profile. And besides OU, their other three offers are like Bethune, Cookman, uh, UTSA, like stuff like that, right? (laughs) And that that's how those kids end up with those offers yeah. is because situations like I explained are similar ones. So um, in, in John Mills situation, like out in California at that school, I doubt that's going on. Um, yeah. but Especially when you, you know, look at that, John Mills, only only non non power conference offer is where I just saw it, Nevada. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like there's other examples where you go to DeSoto or you go to Duncanville, like in I don't, I don't know if this is still the case at DeSoto, but I remember in like the 2023 class, there was like 14 kids with an Ole Miss offer. <laughs> and Ole Miss hasn't signed a kid out of DeSoto or out of Dallas since I don't know when, Jamarcus Lodge? Uh, no, nah, there's got to be at least one since then probably. Since Lodge? But, uh, Lodge and Quincy Adeboyjo were in the same class. Hmm, that's a good question. I'd have to really yep. think about that. But, like, you, you get what I'm saying, though? Like, yeah. that it's going on too much. And, look, I understand it. I understand it from both sides. But, like, I feel like it's just such a big waste of time at the end of the day for both sides. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. So, because it's like the seven-on-seven seven coach who's kind of forcing this to happen knows at the end of the day the kid can't go to school at OU. And mm-hmm. the kid also knows or – that, that's the thing. The kids don't always know what's actually going on. Some of them yeah. will actually think they're getting recruited by OU. Others know the real. Um, but, you know, it's what recruiting is in 2024, and it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it, dude. That's, that's terrible. Uh, you know, there's stuff like I uh, I remember when, uh, when Emmett Jones went to Tech – coincided with because he was the head coach at sock and then he went to tech and that coincided like right at the time reginald samples i think it just moved on to duncanville and text tech suddenly had and duncanville then was not what duncanville is now <laughs> yeah but yeah. you had like five kids and maybe one of them was good enough to play at tech but you had like five duncanville kids suddenly that had tech offers well that just kind of helps it, it's kind of you know a wink and a nod, you're kind of doing a favor for somebody because now it's helping get the yeah. name of the program out there. Oh, Tech just offered these kids. So, you know, I've, I've seen stuff like that. One thing I want to ask you about, I saw this in a, a Facebook reel yesterday. I don't know if you've experienced this, but kids getting, it was uh, Adam Brenneman. Uh, I actually enjoy his content. He he had a, he had a deal where some kids will report fake offers and then the fake offer 
leads to actual offers from staffs that just don't do their homework. They just see, oh, this kid got an SEC offer. Let's go ahead and put an offer on the table without really looking into the kid at all. Yeah, um, I don't know. I've never had uh, – I've been told about different cases about that, but I've never actually seen one or been shown proof of it. Okay. Um, but, like, dude, about two to three kids every year will post a Texas offer. <laughs> And I'm like, I have never heard of this kid. And that'll happen even with the real offers. Like they'll offer 10 kids or five kids in Florida in one day. And I didn't even know any of those kids existed. Um, But like, I remember this year over the summer, uh, a kid from Arkansas posted a Texas offer. I went through his other offers on his Twitter and, you know, all the tweets have like 30 plus retweets, a bunch of likes, a lot of people interacting with them. So it kind of appears legit. But, you know, the way to confirm if an offer is legit or not without bugging the school you cover is you just go through and see if any coaches have retweeted or liked or interacted with the tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, because that'll tell you usually if it's legit or not. And yeah. Whenever we did that and went through all of his offers and not a single called staffer and interacted with him, you know, it was pretty easy to figure out. Um, and then about a few weeks later, you know, you come back and check his page. He's still posting offers, but they only have like six retweets on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's because schools and reporters everyone else has figured it out and then weeks later that that kid was dming me can you put offers on my profile yeah and like i <laughs> i just didn't respond because i'm not going to respond to him or his dad or whoever's doing this and be like no dude like i'm not a you know what i mean like i know yeah. what's going on yeah so it don't it don't pass the smell yeah. test and you you know what the deal is there's uh you know that the only thing i've experienced like that I was a young reporter, man. This is probably like 2006, 2007. There was a linebacker from the Gulf Coast out of Gregory, Portland. And I, you talk about kids making up offers. This kid had told me that he had gotten some offers. And he at the time was kind of one of those kids that shows up early, like on the P5 radar, like you were talking about yesterday. And then he ends up at like an, an FCS or Division II school. And he told me he had gotten like, it, it was like realistic offers. He didn't say I got like Bam. He's like, I got like Cal and like UNLV. And there was, you know, some division one schools, but nothing like that would make me question like, why would you lie about having a, you know, a, a Washington state offer or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> well, this is when I was at scout. Well, one of this, I forget which scout site it was. I think it was the Cal scout site contacts the kid. And the kid was like, yeah, I made all that up. Like, oh, okay. So, like, never talked to that kid again and didn't update the profile or nothing. So, there was that. And then a couple years ago, I think Shaka was still the head coach at Texas. They had had a kid. There was a kid that I'd never heard of that announces his commitment to Texas for basketball. And I'm thinking, okay, I got to write the story. And then I'm looking like his 24-7 ranking. I think he was unranked by us. And in the composite, he was like a low three-star. I'm like, all right, something's not right. You know how when you text a source at a school, sometimes they really kind of get back to you on, on their own time? You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I texted someone on Shaka's staff. I was like, is this legit? Immediately, I get a response. We have never heard of that kid. We don't know who this kid is. We don't know why he did this. But no, this is not a legit offer. It's not a legit commitment. So it's one thing to lie about an offer, man. It's another thing when you make up that you committed somewhere. And that kid grew up to be Steph Curry. No, <laughs> imagine. Um, no, I saw CV's question. Who is the person recruits go to to get the graphic made either when they're offered or when they commit? How does that process work? They have to pay someone like Hayes Fawcett. So... Um, the way graphics work, I guess, in recruiting, uh, like I'll just talk about the most popular first, you know, commitment graphics or top five or just the offer graphics where there's like 30 school logos on there. Um, the first, I can tell you this, the first person the kids hit up is Hayes Fawcett. Um, why do they hit up Hayes Fawcett? It's not the, it's not the deep fried style. It's not, not a turning you orange or any of that. It's because he's got more followers than anyone else. Um, and they like to, on Instagram. I think Hayes was doing graphics before anybody else really was. Yeah, and people have a lot of differing opinions about Hayes. Um, I got to give him props at the end of the day. He kind of pioneered the graphic industry in terms of the recruiting industry. But um, kid, kids will hit him up. They want to have their graphic be made by him because when it's made by him, you can have a collaborative post with him on social media, which brings you more followers and strengthens your name, image, and likeness. Um, so because of that, you know, all the top kids are trying to work with Hayes Fawcett on their graphics and their announcement. And, um, you know, Hayes isn't going to make a graphic for a kid going to like Mississippi Valley State or anything. And he'll probably only respond to kids that are ranked and on 300 because if I was in his shoes, that's the only thing I'd be doing too. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, you'd, you'd, you'd never get anything done. Yeah. And the, the, I, I couldn't tell you the exact, how it exactly goes down with Hayes Fawcett. Um, I've never been in those shoes, but uh, in talking to recruits, the way they broke it down to me is they basically hit them up, um, you know, said, hey, I'm committing here. Uh, I want to do it by then. Can you make your graphic? He said, yeah, I'll make you the graphic as long as you answer these five questions. Um, and then that way he has a story to post whenever it's committed. But usually it's only like, three questions and it just goes on on threes like home side i think i don't i don't know i don't go over there and look at what hayes fawcett is writing no. um but but yeah that that's kind of the way it works there's also um schools will also make commitment graphics for the kids who commit or whatever um the the creative teams are allowed to do that for schools once they hit uh september 1st of the junior year it's the same rule as photo shoots where they couldn't have the actual photos that the school took until um, September 1st of their junior year. So that that's pretty much, I guess, how it goes down. Um, there's also like other people besides Hayes Fawcett can also make graphics. Um, there's been kids uh, that are committing to Texas that don't have a high enough profile, I guess, for Hayes Fawcett to respond to them. And I've, you know, been the person that made mm -hmm. their, I mean, I wasn't the one who made it. I requested it and the 24-7 graphic design team made it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the no. Valentine graphic for me and my wife. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be deep fried, I don't know, man. Just like the the style of his graphics is is od sometimes, and I think a lot of people have kind of 
figure that out. I know uh, Jordan, my, my former colleague and your boy Nick Harris. I know Nick a couple times actually made some some graphics for a couple of kids. I want to say, I want to say Nick might have made Charles Wright his yeah, commitment graphic. Yeah, uh, he told me a story over the years. Yeah, like you said that either we we either don't have time. It's been it's been situations where either we didn't have time to get with the uh, the graphics team at twenty four seven or. Uh, the graphics team is just like, hey, we're too overloaded right now, especially like if it's a summer commitment when everybody's throwing stuff at them. It might just be like, hey, we're just we're too busy right now. Is there a way you guys can wait? And in that case, Nick or I know Mike's had people that have done it before. You've done it. So, yeah, it's it's not it's not a, a, a one person operation for for graphics. Yeah. And and with the with the graphics over the summer, um, we we're using 24 sevens, but also I, this upset me greatly, or I, I, I just don't understand it. But um, over the summer during the busiest month in recruiting in June, during official visits, the graphic design team doesn't work on weekends for some reason. Um, so because of that, uh, I was hitting up uh, a guy I know on Instagram to, to make the graphics for 24 seven. And he was just slapping the 24 seven logo on there, even though he doesn't work for us. But it's because we needed a, a graphic. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it, it pissed me off because I go I have to go trust someone else, you know what I mean, to hold on to this info and to the graphic and not have it leak out or whatever. And instead of having someone I know won't leak it because they we work together. Yeah, I got a I got a feeling that's probably gonna change because we're all we're all adjusting to the recruiting calendar and the way things work. Like right now, it used to be right now, like February into March, stuff would be happening for the 25s, but honestly. Now we're hitting this lull and things will slowly start picking up during the spring evaluation period. And then June is, man, pretty much throughout the summer from the end of the school year up until the start of the school year. It is, it's all go all the time. Yeah. I was, uh, I was talking to Hudson Standish about this the other day. Um, you know, if, for those who don't know, Hudson made the transition from working at Horns 24-7 as a recruiting analyst to, to joining our national team as a scouting analyst, where uh, his job is essentially to, you know, construct, be a part of the team that constructs our rankings at 24-7 through watching film, evaluating, so know, all that good stuff. Commit in the 25 cycle that drops, you can email Hudson and complain to him and see if he'll fix it. Don't, don't message me. Don't message Jordan. Just feel free. Hudson's more than happy to take those. Point. I, I don't know if I'm more than happy, but uh whole whole look at it, I can't guarantee a response. But um, but me and Hudson were just chopping it up, and uh I was like, What is your favorite part about not having to be like a day-to-day reporter anymore instead of you know your scouting analyst? And before I even got the question out, I answered it myself for him, and I was like, It's gotta be not having to look at your phone every time it vibrates. You know what I mean? And he was like, yeah, 100%. And like, I've been, it's bad, but I've been letting myself get into the habit where like, since it's the most dead time of the year for us, like my phone will go off in my pocket and I'm not ripping it out right away, you know? But it's, it's that, that'll, that'll discontinue in about <laughs> probably two to three weeks. I still, I haven't been a recruiting reporter. When was the last time I was kind of uh, Maybe like that 2015 or 16 cycle was the last time I was doing recruiting reporting and even anything remotely close to full time. And for all the years I did it, I still, if I don't have my phone on me for about 
15. Like last night, I ate dinner in the living room. My family left my phone in my office. I didn't have my phone for about 25 minutes. And like the panic that sets in, like I didn't miss anything. But the panic that sets in that I don't have my phone with me and I might have missed something because there's been two instances. I don't know. I, I might as well tell these stories. It doesn't matter at this point. Um, when Josh Turner back in the day when he committed to Texas, my wife and I lived like in a little kind of townhouse deal with the, that had an upstairs. And my wife had like fallen down the stairs and hurt herself. So I was tending to her and I left my phone upstairs and I'm so focused on my wife's in pain that we need to go to the hospital, whatever, got her situated. I missed a call from Josh Turner's, one of the coaches at a school that he had committed. So I was late by like an hour getting that. And when Antoine Davis committed to Texas out of Bastrop, I got, I'd gone to Hutto because I was just doing school rounds. I'd gone to Hutto and left my phone in the car. And when I got, so I'm only going to be at Hutto for 20 minutes. And I, I was, I, I needed to see one recruit, needed to get their recruiting sheet, talk to coach, whatever. I get back in the car. I've got like six missed calls from Antoine Davis and and some texts. And he's like, yeah, I'm committing to Texas right now. So that's why I was like, I never, like if I never had my phone not on me and I'm always checking and checking it. Even now that I'm not doing reporting because of those two instances, I'm always like, if my phone vibrates or whatever, I always have to just take it. Even if it's like an email or a tweet or whatever, I just have to take it out and look at it just to make sure I'm not missing anything. So please, Jordan, train yourself to not look at that thing every five minutes. Otherwise, you'll be like me and you'll be 40 and paranoid that something that you're going to miss something because you don't have your phone on you. Yeah. Um, I know that was a lot, but. Yeah. I mean, no, that's, that, that's our lives, man. Anytime I was still vibrates. mad about the Antoine Davis thing. And my, I had an old, I had a, uh, a 2006 uh, Chevy Malibu at the time. Actually a nice car. It was one of those deals. Like I guess some old lady drove it and it had like, when I bought it, it was used, but it only had like 8,000 miles on it and really nice car. And I punched the dashboard so hard because I was mad that I missed it that I cracked the uh, the air vent and just never fixed it. So I told Antoine and he laughed. I'm like, every time I look at my cracked air vent, I think about the day you committed to Texas. Cause I, I was so mad that I missed it, that I punched the, the vent on my dashboard. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what I, I have kind of a similar story, I guess. So this was when I was covering Baylor. There's this kid from uh, Lumberton, Texas down in, down in Southeast Texas named, uh, Brock Jackson, and uh, he was kind of a five-tech edge type of player. He's actually in the in the 2024 class, and this was around shit. This would have been around like this time last year, like exactly this time last year. Just a just a regular night, you know. I guess doing whatever. Um, and I get this private DM on the board, and it's this guy who <laughs> is friends with Brock Jackson's grandpa on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> right like th those ones are always the best right yeah yeah and it's it's a picture of brock jackson's grandpa's facebook post it's a screenshot of it and it's like so proud of my grandson for committing to baylor tonight right yeah and like i had known he was going to end up at baylor they were just out ahead by everyone but i wasn't expecting it for a few more months because he had always said hey he wanted to commit in the summer um so it's like about 7 30 at night I know Brock Jackson's cousin <laughs> because I had actually been in a group chat with him 
for several years. It was like a, a UT group chat that I'd been in since like high school. This guy is also from Lumberton. Mm-hmm. And so I, I hit him up. <laughs> I was just like, uh, what can you tell me about this? Can you confirm this? Um, and he was like, yeah, it's true. And I was like, dope. Can you help me get in contact with Brock? I've only talked to him a few times. I doubt he'll give me quotes. And he's like, yeah. And he sent me the kid's number. I texted Brock like, hey, what's up, man? You know, heard you committed. Uh, you know, don't want to spoil your moment. Uh, as long as you give me quotes, you know, I won't put in a crystal ball or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, just let me know. And like four hours went by. I'm like, all right, well, I'm putting a crystal ball in because, you know, <laughs> yeah, like he chose, he chose, that's what he chose. Yeah. Um, and so I write the story that night uh, just to have it and load it into our back end. And I have no idea when he's supposed to pop because Baylor was like, yeah, we don't have a time either. At the time, Nick Harris is working at Rivals as a national guy. <laughs> I call him and I'm like, hey, Nick, this kid is committing. You have the national title. See if we can, if you can get him to give you the date. Yeah. I send him Brock's number. He texts Brock like, what's up, man? This is Nick Harris, national analyst for Rivals. Uh, you know, heard you had committed to Baylor. Um, whoop de woo. And uh, he tells him, I know, uh, you know, I'm still open in my process and won't be committing until, <laughs> yeah, until the summer. And Nick is just like, okay, man. And we're both like this. He, he's lying. Yeah. The next day, the kid commits at six in the morning. I'm dead ass serious. Oh. Six in the morning. I don't wake up till nine. Nick woke up at like eight. Um, and the owner slash publisher of the Baylor uh, 24-7 site, Tim Watkins, just hit post whenever he woke up at 7.30 and saw that Brock had committed an hour and a half earlier. Nick calls me at like noon that day, and he's like, dude, I just checked my text. Brock texted me at 5 a.m. and said, hey, I'm committing in an hour. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. But it was like, dude, what? I didn't even bother at that point, but, man. But yeah, it was just like, dude, like, come on. Like, we were willing to work with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but Just yeah, one I guess one of the, hi- one of the highlights of your time covering Baylor. Yeah. <laughs> no, there are actually some fun recruitments covering Baylor. And um, it kind of, they're, they're recruiting much better than they have been previously. Hey, just um, just think, man. If you were still covering Baylor, you could uh you could be getting in with Gary Patterson right about now. I think anyone can get in with Gary Patterson. Fun fact: anyone watching this, if you're bored and just want to talk with Gary Patterson, like a seventy percent chance will respond to your DM. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just letting you know. <laughs> if any of y'all ever want to chop it up with Gary Patterson, he will if probably he respond. Blo- if he hasn't blocked you, like I think yeah. CB may. I think he blocked CB. I think CB's blocked. I think there's a couple other Texas writers that are blocked. Trey Elling might be blocked by Gary Patterson. I can't. I seriously can't think of anyone that's ever blocked me. Uh, you know what's weird? Uh, Duke Thomas, former, and you know Duke Thomas. Don't you, former <laughs> yeah, I actually know Duke very well. Uh, I'm seeing him next week, actually. Duke and I are Facebook friends. I've known Duke since he was a sophomore at Copper's Cove. Duke has me blocked on Twitter. I don't know why. I don't know why we've always been cool. He might not know that he did it, but yeah, Duke Thomas has me blocked on Twitter. I'm back. I'll like. He should uh, be in the office whenever I swing by on Tuesday. I have a meeting somewhere on Tuesday. I saw. Um, I saw Duke. So uh, I'll ask him about it. I think it was this fall. I saw him. He was at a Texas game, and I'm going through uh, the facility to get to the team meeting room, which is where they do post game. And Duke is like walking the hallways. I see him and it's all love. And I'm like, 
I don't want to ask him right now. I need to ask him at some point why he's got me blocked on Twitter. It may just yeah. be he blocked all the Texas writers. I don't know when he was playing Maybe. and he just never unblocked us. How was his recruitment? I've never asked him how that all went down. Dukes was, Dukes was weird because of this. So Copper's Cove, but Duke Thomas got on the radar because Will Muschamp had gone out to Cove like when Duke was a freshman or a sophomore and loved him, which is part of the reason why I was a Duke Thomas fan. Muschamp likes this kid, then I'm, I'm all for it. Copper's Cove had a really weird thing about how they let kids commit at the time, uh, which basically they tried to keep everything in-house, like kids' offers and commitments and kind of do it on their timeline. Well, Duke goes to the junior day. I can't even tell you what other schools offered because it was – everybody knew, like, this kid, he's going to Texas. Like, it was obvious. So Duke goes to the junior day. I get wind from the staff that he committed. I have other recruits that were on the junior day telling me he committed. I have parents telling me that, oh, the kid from Cove committed. So at that point, I'm like, this is enough confirmation that, you know, we, we're, we're going to run with it. And we do. We don't get a rebuttal from anybody. I mean, we try to reach out to Duke. I don't remember if we got quotes or not, but we – we had enough confirmation. We're like, okay, we can run it at this point. And Duke gets back to Copper's Cove, and it was like all hell broke loose because the Jack Welch was the coach at Copper's Cove. Was, I was always fine with Jack Welch. I got along with Coach Welch fine. But he was saying how he was going to turn Texas into the NCAA for, like, recruiting violations and not recruiting, you know, you know, breaking like uh, the bump rule and stuff to recruit Duke Thomas and they pressured him, him, him into committing. So it was one of those deals where everybody in the market kind of had to retract it, like just kind of a gentleman's agreement with Duke's family at that point. And it's like, okay, he's, we can't put him on the commit list, but like you have to tell people like he's, he's all but officially committed at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to wait a couple weeks, and then they did like an official commitment ceremony where Duke has to go up and sit there and be like, I'm committing to the University of Texas. And it's like the most anticlimactic thing ever because we all know he's he shows up wearing a Texas shirt. Like there's no hats on the table. It's kind of the, it was really weird. But that's when I was up there and a couple of the TV stations from Waco. So it was the, the process of him picking Texas was not. Uh, anything to write home about but like the, from the time he committed to the time he made the public announcement dude it was just it was so weird so weird wow yeah we don't i don't know we don't come a, across a, a ton of situations like that i feel like where i don't know guys will silent um sorry i <laughs> Uh, I'm reading CB's comment. I remember that Sean Elliott was shadow boxing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I've never asked Duke about his recruitment. So I'm going <laughs> to hear what his side of the story is. I can't even tell you what other schools were involved, like seriously, because it was pretty much. A, I had talked to him. I think the first time I interviewed Duke was. So this would have been, I think, after like going into his junior year that summer at State 7 on 7. And even then, it was pretty obvious. I'm like, dude, if Texas offers this kid, that's he's going to Texas. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. 
you, you you know those kids, whether it's A&M or Oklahoma or whatever, you meet those kids and you're like, dude, if that school offers, that's where he's going. Yeah. So Duke was Duke was one of the kids. He could tell you who else was involved. Let me, as a matter of fact, let me see if I can pull up his offer list. But yeah, uh, I really like Duke as a prospect, man. He's a quarterback at Cove and really was one of those guys that Dwayne Aquino recruited. Uh, Dwayne Aquino loved recruiting high school quarterbacks to play defensive back. I guess because Johnny football. Well, <laughs> in RG three. Well, yeah, okay. I, boy, I walked yeah. right into that one, didn't I? Um, but I like Adrian Phillips was a high school quarterback. Uh, Quandre played high, played quarterback in high school. It's a bunch of Mikel Thompson was a high school quarterback. Dwayne Keenan loved recruiting high school quarterbacks. Wardo Mack, high school quarterback. Yeah, and I think you know it's funny. We were talking about this on a Longhorn Blitz podcast this week. Texas is kind of. Dwayne Keenan was really ahead of his time with what he did, basically by not worrying about, you know, who's a corner, who's a safety. Like, I just need DBs that can cover. Like, if you look at his first Texas secondary they had in 2001, Rod Babers, Quentin Jammer, Nathan Vasher, Ahmad Brooks, all four of those guys ended up playing in the NFL. Three of them were drafted. Ahmad wasn't, but Ahmad ended up making a team as an undrafted free agent. But, like, to me, like, the apex of Texas secondaries is that 2005 secondary where you've got Michael Griffin, Michael Huff, Terrell Brown, Cedric Griffin, and Aaron Ross are your top five. Aaron Ross, was your, Aaron Ross didn't start that year. He was your nickelback. And any of those guys could have played safety. Any of those guys could have played corner. Any of those guys could have played nickel. Like, you had you had five five-tool DBs on the field. And, shocker, all of those guys play in the NFL – Three of them went in the first round. Cedric Griffin went in the second round. And I think Terrell Brown went in formerly of your 49ers, George. Terrell Brown was like a fifth, fourth or fifth rounder. I forget. Two Jim Thorpe Award winners. Like that 2005 secondary was, it's the best Texas secondary I've ever seen. Yeah. One of the, uh, one, one of the coolest parts about, uh, I guess my affiliation with Juice is that uh, the, the defensive coordinator for the 15U and 18U is it's basically it's Michael Griffin. Um, yeah. it, there's not an official title, but he's the one calling all the plays and stuff. His son plays with the 15U and just like being able to see like the stuff click in his head of like when he's just on the sideline and also just getting to spend time around him and just hearing him like to shoot the shit about like his playing days or other stuff or how he sees things on the field. Yeah. Like it's eye opening. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to ask him one day uh, if he wants to come on here. I don't know if he can with Longhorn Network, what all he is. No, he can. He's been on, on there. Uh, Griff has been on Chip Show. Griff, Griff did, uh, okay. Griff did one of the deals that we did during the season out at, uh, why am I blank? Uh, out at Covert. Out oh. at Covert B Cave. He went out there and did the chalk talk and, yeah, he he lives out there in in Rough Hollow. He his son was at Bowie originally, but uh, damn, I guess the voice cracks are back. <laughs> his son was at Bowie originally, but uh, they built a house out in Lakeway and they moved there uh, last summer. And his son uh, was at Lake Travis this past year on JBA team, and he'll he'll be on varsity next year. So Duke Duke Thomas, we've only got four offers on Duke Thomas's profile. Texas, Baylor, TCU, and AM. You might ask him about this. I think the only other school he visited was TCU. I think he visited TCU like the week before he went to Texas mm. for junior day. Because for yeah. some reason, I remember, I remember him. <clears throat> it might not be him, but I feel like I remember seeing a picture of Duke Thomas 
holding like the TCU Rose Bowl championship trophy in Gary Patterson's office. I feel like I remember. So if you see Duke, ask him about that. Ask him okay. if the TCU. I feel it's, like I've slept since then. I slept since 2011, but I feel like I remember that happening. It's always kind of wild to look back and see like, I mean, it's changed nowadays as, as everything is advanced, but like the fact that Duke Thomas only took two or visited two different schools, you know what I mean? Like that would be unheard of nowadays. If there was a kid... You got to remember, though, this is January, February 2011. So at that point, Texas is like 12, 13 months removed from playing for a national championship. So Texas, the Texas brand is still that offer still like the premier offer you can get in state at that point. We're not we're we're not quite to A&M and the SEC and the Johnny Manziel stuff and everything opening up. But this is like the last leg of Texas really being Texas. Yeah, and that, trust me, I understand that part. The part where I'm talking about that would never happen in today's world is the only two different schools he looked at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that would not, he would have visited two different schools by the end of his sophomore year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, And it's because the process is so much more sped up. Yeah. Um, And and the other thing, too, and we might get Duke on this show. I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. I haven't talked. I haven't had a real conversation with Duke Thomas in a minute. So I'd love to get Duke on this show. I think too the way the Coppers Cove staff did things, just and, and I didn't have a problem with it because hey, you're the high school coach. You, you run your program the, the way you see fit. Uh, you know, I don't think Duke had. I, I, he might have visited, but it was just such a different process for them. Like they really didn't start the process with their kids until after their junior year was done. And really that summer before their senior year was when guys would start getting offers. And I don't know if that, because, you know, Cove had some kids. I mean, Robert Griffin's obviously the biggest name that, that came through there. But they've had, they had some kids that were, should have gone to probably more prestigious places than they went to. And you wonder like, okay, the kids maybe not, because they started the process so late, did they maybe miss out on some offers at some point? It's, it's, yeah. You know. But and it, it's funny here in uh, Duke, if I remember correctly, I think it was his freshman year was RG3 senior year at Copper's yeah. Cove. I believe so. Because um, I, I had asked him about RG3. And uh, I don't remember everything that he said, but I definitely remember <laughs> the part where he was like, none of us thought he was going to come close to winning a Heisman at Baylor. You know, like, he's <laughs> like, we knew he'd be good, but none of us ever saw that. Dude. He, I saw his first start. I saw RG3's first start in high school at Copper's Cove against Converse Judson, and he was awful. He got benched. He got benched because the starting quarterback, I don't know why I remember some of the stuff I remember. They had a starting quarterback. His name was Brent Garner. He's a good two-sport athlete, played baseball too. And he got in a car accident that week, and they didn't know if he was going to play. And, you know, so – RG3 ended up taking most of the snaps and played it. You could tell, like, it's moving way too fast for him, right? And he just doesn't play well. I think he played, like, maybe the first quarter, quarter and a half. Brent Garner comes in, and they end up beating Judson. But, yeah, RG3's first start, I was there, and he was was brutal. It was terrible. Yeah. Needless to say, things turned around for him. I'm trying to think if I've been at any – relevant recruits is like first start games man i um, i started you know it's funny i started hearing about robert griffin when he was in the seventh grade because 
he was a legit big time track guy, like was setting age group AAU national records for the hurdles and for sprints. And I remember, uh, I, I, I got, a, I grew up in Florence. So I got, I know people in Cove. I got a lot of friends in Colleen. And I remember people telling me about him in seventh grade, dude, the next guy to come through Cove is Robert Griffin. But they were telling me about, there was nothing about football. He was going to try football, but it was as a track basketball guy. And they're like, this kid's doing like windmill dunks as an eighth grader. And I'm like, I got to ask Coach Welch. So I, I called Coppers Cove. I talked to Jack Welch. I'm like, Coach, what can you tell me about Robert Griffin? And he's like, all I'm telling you is the kid's a terrific athlete. Don't really know where he's going to play, but he's a terrific athlete. And we'll see, you know, we'll see what pans out. And it, again, it panned out for him. But yeah, I was hearing about Robert Griffin when he was in middle school as a track guy and a basketball guy. Yeah, so <laughs> I have a funny story on a little similar or a, a kid from a similar part of the area um, or similar area, I should say. Uh, and it's funny because any person that comes to me and they started off by saying I have this middle schooler, like I immediately tell them to stop talking. You just, you <laughs> like, just power down, yeah. Yeah, unless it's uh, unless you're gonna show me some verified track times on mile split and the kids <laughs> over five nine, like I seriously couldn't care less. Uh, I said, Robert Robert Griffin had skins on the wall as a seventh grader. So exactly. Yeah. Now, if you're like, hey, I have this eighth grader, he's five nine, but he ran a ten six, then it's like, okay, you know, send me his Twitter. But when it's like, hey, I have this eighth grader, he's cold as hell, it's like height weight. Oh, he's like a 5'6", 140 running back. And it's like, no, like, no. Cold as hell. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Um, there is currently a 2026 athlete at Lake Belton High School. And I found this kid the summer going into his freshman year. He ran like, uh, it was like a 10-6 or something, hey, right after his eighth grade year at the Junior Olympics in Oregon or, or some meet in Oregon. And um, I texted the coaches at Lake Belton right away. I'd known them pretty well. I was over there all the time. I texted them like, holy shit. Like, y'all got to be licking y'all's chops, huh? And they're like, no, like, he won't play football. Like, he doesn't want to get hit. And I was like, oh, damn. Um, that what would have been spring of 2023, or no, 2022, um, I went out to go see – no, no, it would have been 23 because he would, he would have had to be a freshman. Yeah. Uh, I went out to go see a, a Lake Belton basketball game. Micah and Snoot had just invited me out. And I just come, came out, took a couple photos. And um, the kid was there warming up and is like slamming it. And he's like 5'10, 5'11. Jeez, man. I finally just look up his mile split. These are, this is from his freshman track season because he is a, he's a 20 or 26, my bad, sophomore track season. 10-3-9 in the 100, 25-7 in the 200, 23-4-5 in the long jump. And he's on like every single relay team. Yeah. And once I saw those, I turned to the Lake Belton coaches that were sitting next to me watching the, the basketball game. And I was like, <laughs> I know y'all have morals, but for this type of kid, I would just like show up at his house and be like, what's it going to take? Yeah, football. You know what I mean? Like, what is it going to take? And I was like, and I was like, y'all really messed up. 
because y'all could have had this kid opposite of Micah Hudson, and then you can't triple team Micah anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and you just had you don't even have to have the kid run routes; just have him run in a straight line, um, and and hold miss uh, or hold take the top off the defense. But from that point on, Mike and Selman would always get pissed at me when I told them they weren't the best athletes at Lake Belt <laughs> because, I mean, <laughs> like statistically, they're not. Man, so yeah, I. I some of those track times, even if they're wind aided, like Devin Duvernay when he ran the ten two seven at the state meet his senior year, did people are like, well, he had the wind behind him. I'm like, I don't give a damn what was behind him. He 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 was fast enough, and I kind of feel vindicated now because we never got to really see him do it at Texas. But I was like, man, I think Devin Duvernay could be with that speed. He could be an elite kick returner. And everybody tell me Jeff, he's terrible. Texas is terrible in kick returns. I'm like, I'm telling you, all he needs is a real chance, and he can be a, a good returner. Lo and behold, he gets to the NFL with the Ravens, and he's an All Pro kick returner. Yeah. So I feel I feel vindicated. Yeah. Devin, and now keeping Devin Duvernay as a return specialist. Yeah. And keep in mind, um, the ten three nine on his mile split has no wind aid on it. And now, while that that can just not be entered in, it doesn't have to be. Um, that is notable because if you look at his other times, um, like for example, his twenty three four five at Texas Relays, that had no wind aid. And if it did, I promise you would be on there because it's if Texas you're Relays. if you're a hundred meter guy and you're sub like ten five, it, it's to me you're splitting hairs at that point. If you're sub ten five, you're fast enough. Yeah. And the slowest 100 meter he recorded in the eight or the seven times he ran the open 100 last spring was a 1081. Which that could have been like an early February meet where it's like 30 degrees outside and it just wasn't happening that day. Yeah. The the slowest he got all year was fourth and it was at the state meet when he ran a 1041. There's there's very uh, I I hate covering track meets. I do. I, I loathe covering track meets. I don't know where you are on track meets. You can you can get a lot of stuff done, but it's For a, me. So I meets. I've only covered 3 um and it was it's going to be the same 3 I'm going to cover this spring. Texas um, Relay state meet and what else? The Lancaster Meet of Champions. Um, because they always do it the same exact week. They do it on a Saturday, and it's always the same exact weekend as Under Armour Dallas, which always falls on that Sunday. So I would just drive up a day early to Dallas, but now that I live here, I'm just going to, you know, hit both of them. But um, I don't know. Track meets, it's not fun because it's just so much like waiting around and standing around. But, like, if like there's a way you can find the kids you need interviews of, you can leave Mm -hmm. as soon as you get them done. But it's about tracking (laughs) tracking those guys down and, and finding them and figuring out which races guys are doing stuff like that. But that's the best. Thing I ever. like it just because, at least in, in my experience, um, besides the Texas relays, there wasn't anyone at the Lancaster meet besides me and Nick Harris. Mm-hmm. And at, at the Texas state meet, there wasn't anyone there besides me and Greg Powers. Um, yeah. So man. it's you can get a lot of stuff that no one else is going to get. And yeah. at the same time, like um, at some of those meets, if it's a guy who's throwing in the Texas relays um, or the the Lancaster meet of champions or the state meet. And it's a guy I'm talking to for Texas usually means he's pretty highly rated if he's made it that far in the track. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. that it gives you great content on, on a great prospect. I was trying to think of throwers. I think I saw Cedric Reed throw the discus at Texas relays, but the, those, some of those track meets, like if you're covering a lineman and like they're in driving distance, like an offensive or defensive lineman, uh, 
man, it, you know they're a thrower, so I'm like, I can time this. You can kind of get an idea when the throw starts. I could be there right when he finishes, get my interview done, and get the hell out of there and go home. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember, uh, I don't, you probably don't remember, man. Baylor is one of the highest rated recruits Baylor's ever signed. Kid Javante McGee was out of uh, San Antonio. He was a Katrina kid from New Orleans. He's supposed to go to, I think, McDonough 35. Ends up at Sam Houston. Signs with Baylor. Uh, they were in a really small district, so I, he ended up having his district track meet like at Yoakum, I think. Yoakum's like an hour and a half. I was living in San Marcos at the time, that the first time I lived here. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go down there because it's one kid. I'm like, I'm drive, drive the hour, and he's a five-star guy. I'll drive the hour and a half to get an interview nobody else is going to get and then drive home. I don't mind going an hour and a half out of my way. Yeah. You know, same, same mindset pretty much. Um, I guess, you know, for the, the last few minutes of the show, we didn't talk about it all on yesterday's show. Um, and I saw, I didn't see till after the show that CB was tagging us. Um, but EA, and now, you know, their first oh. official announcement. Oh, brother. That it's yes. coming out. So, my you. first thing, the memes, the memes, the memes, man, the memes have been impeccable. Also, Jimmy G getting popped for taking PEDs when his performance was not enhanced at all is hilarious to me. Um, but my f favorite part about the whole NCAA is uh, this tweet, or the new NCAA game announcement is this tweet, where it says, when y'all find out that the only way to use NIL is real-life in-game microtange actions, we're all screwed. Someone said me, if that's the case. <laughs> it's probably different than what you're thinking, though. We, we built this program... Uh, in God's name, image, and likeness. Yeah. And that's how <laughs> they said that's me when the <laughs> microtransactions get announced. Man, but, uh, I'm pumped, man. I I started playing it. I remember going to my friend's house and playing when EA first made a college, play a Bill Walsh college football <laughs> on the Genesis back in the day. <laughs> and just going through the games. I remember like NCAA 99 where you could be Texas and run the toss with Ricky Williams and like nobody could stop you. You know, being Texas in the 2006 game with Vince Young was awesome. Um, I don't condone what I'm about to say, but me and one of my college roommates, actually Chris Dukes, Chris has been on the show. Chris and I, when we lived together in college, we would, uh, we would play for shots pretty much like if, he, if we're playing each other and I, I score, He's got to take a shot, or I can go for two, and it's double or nothing. So, yeah, it's that was not a it's not responsible alcohol consumption, but uh, sound <laughs> sounds uh, about Texas State. Um, for, yeah, hell yeah, I'm living up to the alma mater's reputation for sure. I remember my brother and I did that one night, and it's one of those nights where the last thing I remember was it was like 63-57 in the third quarter, and I can't tell you what happened the rest of the night, but yeah. it's one of those, one of those wild, one of those crazy nights, man. Um, I'm actually going to hang around with BK uh, for okay. the rest of the show, because Trey's out today, so I'm going to hang yeah. around with BK. Yes, CB, Ricky Williams was on the cover of 99. Brian Arakpo was on the cover of what would have been, that would have been NCAA 10, or 09. He was on the yeah. cover. I think... The first one I really, really sat down and actually played was uh, in Subway 11. But I think the first one I ever had or ever actually um, played for the first time was NCAA 09. But I remember NCAA 11, that was like when Texas was like first starting to go like that, right? Yeah. 
And so, uh, because Garrett Gilbert was the number one player coming out of high school, <laughs> and because like he played in the Natty, and I mean, look, he wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible, right? EA made him like a ninety-eight overall, <laughs> or correction, they made uh, number seven to be a ninety-eight. <laughs> yeah, the ninety-eight yeah. overall. Um, but he could just throw piss missiles, and I remember playing that game the whole off season. Leading up, <laughs> leading up to that season, and I'm like, shit, maybe nine or ten, and I'm just like, God, or life can't be greater. I'm just destroying people with Garrett Gilbert, who's like Jesus Christ in this game because they thought he'd be way better. Yeah, so I think Garrett Gilbert, you know, the Lake Travis legend, is going to lead Texas back to the promised land. We all did. We all August, did. September comes around that year, and it's just like my heart's been ripped out of my chest because it's like my glory boy who I've been beating all these teams with in EA or in NCAA 11. He's just out here shitting the pants for, for his homeland. Like, what are we doing? <clears throat> Man, uh, I remember two things. One, I remember when they when EA did away with the game, Malik Jefferson was one of the first recruits that was like, wait, you mean I'm not going to be able to be in the game? And then when recruits figured out that they weren't going to be in the game, like, I don't want to make money. I just want to be in the game. Like, and I, yeah. there was guys that wanted the game to come back, so that was that was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I've would I, I haven't looked into a ton of it yet. Um, but you know, whenever Hudson and I were talking uh, yesterday or the day before, or whatever, we, we were talking about it, and he had said that he had read um, that the cover, the first cover for this year's edition, is supposed to be like a uh, collage of all the years that didn't have um, the game come oh. out. So it'll be like, uh, like they'll grow. Apparently EA is supposed to go through each year and decide who will be. So like uh, Joe Burrow in 2019 is going to be the representative for 2019. It'll be a picture of him in LSU. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Ohio State for 2015 or whatever. Like you, you get the point. Yeah. Um, and I assume since... Like they would traditionally do where the cover was from the previous year so they could actually use their name, image, and likeness. Yeah. Um, yeah. I assume that they're just going to do, uh, I guess, Jaden Daniels or whoever they decide, maybe Caleb Williams, for for the 2023 year um, on the mm -hmm. collage. And then I think they're supposed to start normal covers next year. But Nice. Yeah. And I, uh, <laughs> Garrett Gilbert's first gamers rush. You knew, uh oh, this yeah, is Gerald, I did the same Indeed. thing. Indeed. I was nine years old, like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Darryl, like, when, uh, when, uh, I, when my wife got pregnant, I decided that, uh, we both decided it was time for me to grow up a little bit. And I say that now as I got a, call, a desk full of trading cards. Uh, but she's like, we're turning this into the nursery. You need to get rid of the Xbox. Okay. So I sold my Xbox. I think I got for my Xbox One. I think I got like forty dollars in store credit from uh, GameStop, and I ended up getting like seventy something, eighty something dollars for uh, for the game. And now you can't buy that game for I don't know less than a hundred bucks now. Yeah, no, that that game will resell um, just because I was the last one, and people. Uh, there's now like you can download updated rosters like from yeah. the internet that you'll pay for or whatever. Um, but I'm personally just I, I'm pretty tech savvy. I mean, I taught myself how to work all the Adobe platforms and a camera. But in terms of like downloading stuff to my Xbox and different stuff like that, I've never wanted to touch stuff like that. Um, I, I really I really need to get a Tecmo Super Bowl cartridge and I need to get with somebody 
that takes like current NFL teams and rosters and puts them in Tecmo Super Bowl. And it's like the actual cartridge that'll work on an NES. So I got my NES back here. I don't have it hooked up, but I would really love to play like today's rosters. Like I want to see what Patrick Mahomes looks like on Tecmo Super Bowl. Yeah. No, look, man, I'm doing I'm gonna do a dynasty and I'm gonna make one with like all my favorite Texas high school football players <laughs> where it, it's gonna be like UT with like Club Nick handing the ball off to like Ruben Owens. Hey, <laughs> and then or an RPO to Jaden Greyhouse or something. You know? Kevin Kevin Dunn and I, Kevin and I are old Fs playing that game because we remember the pain of like having to go through and name the roster. <laughs> and like if you're just if you're an OCD just sicko like me, you got to try to remember. All right, when like Roy Williams plays, like what kind of gear does he have on? He's got like the bicep bands <laughs> on and like this colored gloves and this face mask with this tinted visor. Yeah, I also remember um, my second high school offensive line coach uh, played that game, and he said he said first he said scrap your Texas dynasty. I'm like why? He's like trust me. He's like. Go in the national championship with Notre Dame. He's like, you'll be able to get any recruit you want. So I go do it. And it's like, it stopped being fun because it's like everybody you recruit. It's like, it's not even a contest. It's just like they all go to Notre Dame. I'm like, well, this is a, a game hack that sounded good in the beginning, but it's Wait, you're beating it, people like 70 to nothing all the time. Yeah. And that's just hilarious because we talked about it after we got off the show yesterday. But now, <laughs> nowadays with Notre Dame, when it, it's really important when a kid visits out there for the first time because the response is either like, I am never coming back. I don't get how people go to school out here. This shit's lame as fuck. Or it's like, it was the best visit ever. Like, I love Coach Freeman. I love the Irish. Jesus Christ. Like, the Notre Dame's amazing. There, there's never one or the or There's never anything in between. It's one or the other. Um, I'm telling you, man. I, and you know. It's hilarious. As somebody... Uh, as somebody who 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 I, I was confirmed in the Catholic Church, right? So I grew up Catholic, even though my dad's side of the family, like huge Boston College fans, for whatever reason. I was grow, growing up, I was made to believe like Notre Dame is like the most special place on earth. And even even going up there at fifteen, I'm like, you know, you see the Golden Dome and touchdown Jesus, and you walk around. And I got there early enough to walk down the tunnel like Rudy did and go onto the field. Like it's it's a really freaking cool place for me, but I'm a, I'm a college football fan. I can see for a 17 year old kid from, you know, Fort Lauderdale that doesn't give two shits about like college football. The Irish. Uh, you could either be like, Oh man, this is the best thing ever. Like, dude, I'm never, ever, I never want to set foot in the state of Indiana ever again. Yeah. I guess for, for NCAA, the thing I'm most scared about is that it's going to come out probably in the month of June. And if that happens, that's like the busiest time of the year for me with the official visits. It's just like, <laughs> I'm going to need to make some important decisions. <laughs> uh, CB, look, you can say a lot of things in the chat. I No Rudy Rudiger slander, all right? You want to slander that fraud Joe Montana, you go right ahead. But there will be no Rudy Rudiger slander. Yeah. So wait till I'm done at, at 1 o'clock. You can yeah. slander Rudy all you want. Not BK, on my way. Uh, before I get out of here, what is what is your favorite memory playing the NCAA football games that are soon to return? Oh man, too many to count. Um, I did buy right at the start of COVID. I went to Half Price Books and found NCAA Football 14. Of course, the most recent NCAA video game. They sell uh, video games that. Uh, okay. I didn't okay. know that either. 
somebody had told me on that day that they sold video games and I had called them and I asked, I was like, any chance y'all have NCAA football 14 there? And they had a pre-owned copy for four ninety nine, dollars And that got me through the quarantine period for COVID. And I still have it. And I should have sold it last year because now that the new one has been announced, it's probably not going to be worth as much. But I uh, I still have that game. and It's not uh, coming out till June. You could sell it with the four months you got. That's true. That's true. But yeah, probably that, like just when there was nothing to do in this world because of uh, the pandemic, NCAA football 14, I, I treated it like it was a brand new game and it was spectacular. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, You mean sure. $4.99 is in $4.99, right? Just want to, okay. Yeah. You ain't I assumed me. half price books wasn't out here. <laughs> there's, there's no maybe, maybe if there's a half price books in Lakeway, you might be paying yeah, $500 yeah, yeah. for something. No, I, I heavily assumed it was $4.99. Uh, is in four dollars, but just seeing Ricardo's comment, I'm like, okay, we might as well ask. Half half price books, but uh, four hundred times the price video games is, uh, is is what they were apparently hey, doing. I, I guarantee someone has paid more than four hundred ninety nine dollars for a copy of NCAA fourteen at some point. I guarantee that. So now, during, during the quarantine, they probably did. Oh yeah, Man, yeah. You know what? Uh, my wife, I bet if she had a do-over, she would probably let me keep the Xbox. Considering, <laughs> considering I picked up, the, I picked the sports card habit back up during COVID. I could have just been having an online dynasty with NCAA football instead. I've got stuff all over my desk, and I'm um, I'm knee deep into this card thing with no no return. I'm past the point yeah. of no return on this. Mm. Yep. Well, boys, I'm gonna get on with it. All right. Um, and I'll uh, we're off Monday, right? Off yeah. on Monday. Nope. Hey, real well, quick, Jim, you got uh, you got any recruiting stuff going on this weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm actually. Uh, I was supposed to be going to Houston this weekend for a seven on seven tournament. Changed my plans. I'll be going with Hudson Standish and Colin. Oh Kennedy. yeah, yeah, you're going to Atlanta. That's right. To Atlanta. Yeah, we're gonna leave tomorrow morning at six a.m. We're driving, unfortunately, but um, you know it'll still be fun. Uh, the camp is on Sunday. It'll be pretty much all day. Um, you know, should have some good interviews. Uh, Imari Winston isn't on the roster for the camp. I don't know why, uh, but KJ Lacey is. So, you know, should get a ton of content on KJ Lacey slinging it. Um, and then I'll be back uh, sometime Monday night back in Dallas. And then Wednesday through Saturday, uh, it's not concrete yet, but I'm looking to go to Houston, uh, knock out some school visits Wednesday through Friday, and then, uh, there's a seven-on-seven seven tournament in Houston that weekend. I'm probably going to try to hit some pool play action on Saturday if if the teams that I need to be there are there. Nice. Um, but, yeah, that that's what my next week looks like. So. You guys have a safe trip, man. Yes, sir. I almost said you as well. <laughs>